Well, good morning. How are we all doing today? All right. Well, my name is Adrian, and I can now look at the sun. I'm going to preach with these on. I can look at the sun for one minute and 47 seconds. We have about a half dozen of these or so available to the highest bidder. (laughs) Well, thanks for indulging our lame eclipse humor. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. If we haven't met, I'd love to connect with you after the service. We are starting a three-week mini-series today. We do extend a special welcome back to all the college students, and so grateful for all of you. Looking forward to that C20 ministry starting, which is both for college students and for people in their 20s. I'll be welcome to attend that. But um, we're starting a new ministry, new ministry, we're starting a new new series, though, this morning, just a three-week mini-series. Just came off of a series uh, that took us throughout the entire summer. It was Something Greater is Here through the book of Hebrews. And now today we're going to do a three-week mini-series that we've titled just Simply Beautiful. And uh, what we're going to do in these next three weeks is this. Hopefully give you a sense of who we are as a church, what we're about as a church, where we're trying to go as a church, what are our core values. And uh, we're doing the same series both in this room and in our bilingual service. Uh, Pastor Pablo, our bilingual pastor, is preaching over there, of course, but he's doing the same content, such that we're all together uh, talking about this together as, as one church, saying this is what we're really about. So today's going to be about transformation. Uh, next Sunday is going to be about spiritual depth. And the third Sunday in the series is going to be about advance, advancing for, for the cause of Christ. So I, I hope you can plan to be here though, these three Sundays. I'm excited for them because I love our church. I love where we're going, and I love what these three messages represent as we reflect on who we've been and on where we're going. So let me jump right in. It was about 10 years ago, just before my beloved grandmother passed away, that I was sitting down well with her in her living room, and we were talking about the things of faith. And uh, my grandmother and my grandfather, who died a few years before, were devoted Catholics, And we really loved each other and sought to understand each other in spite of our denominational differences. And they were wonderful Christians in their own right, uh, wonderful followers of Christ. In fact, in many ways, though, they introduced me to to the New Testament. And uh, we were having a number of conversations about things of faith and talking about uh, some childhood stories. This is shortly before she died. And I said to her, well, you know, before I became a Christian, and she paused right there and she interrupted me. And she said, well, what do you mean, Aid, before you became a Christian? I I hear you saying that from time to time. Before I became a Christian, what what exactly do you mean by that? You were baptized as a baby. Haven't you always been a Christian? And so uh, we pulled out her Bible and we turned over to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And I began with this passage in explaining to her what I meant uh, by sharing this passage that you'll see up on the screen. Very well known passage from her Bible. We read it together and it says simply, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves is a gift of God, not by any works that we might do such that no person could ever boast. It's a free gift of God. That God gives us his grace and we respond to it and then he changes us from the inside out. 
And she was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. I believe that too. And I said, was there a time for you, Grandma, that perhaps you uh, understood that it's by the grace of God that, that, that you were brought into his family? And she said, yeah, it was when I was going through the Stations of the Cross in high school. And I realized that I could never do what he did for me. That he endured all that pain for me to freely bring me into his family. And she might have somewhat different language to, to use, but it was a rich time of kind of sharing together. And, and, and then I, I went on to further answer her questions, and I said, so what I mean when I, when I say that um, before I was a Christian, I, I mean I was a different kind of person Bob, before I was a Christian. And, and so I took her to Ephesians chapter 4, and we looked at these three verses, which say, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so as I read this passage to her, I tried to explain to her who I was but before I came to Christ. What was the, that was the old self. How I would describe myself but before I became a Christian. And this is my beloved grandmother, so she got the edited version of that story. I'm not going to share the whole story with my grandma. But I share some of that, and then I say, this is who I am now in Christ. And these are some of the changes that he's made in me. And here's what it looks like as I seek to grow in what we talked about here these past couple weeks, righteousness and holiness, putting on this new self, the new clothes of Jesus who raises the roof on our lives and gives us new life. And as I was explaining this to her, she said, yeah, you know, come to think of it, I realize you have been changed. Amazingly, mysteriously, even I could be changed by the love of God as he puts new clothes onto me. And we got to rejoice over this a little bit. I was thinking about this message for today, transformation. There is nothing more beautiful than a story of life transformation. Isn't that right? There is nothing more beautiful than seeing someone who was dead who's been resurrected by Jesus, and you start to see a change by the grace of God in them. We've been so fortunate here over the past year to see so many great stories of life transformation. I think of one man whose life was falling apart, and no one even knew it except for his own family. And he responded to the series that we gave this past spring on Romans 8, in which he heard the gospel again and again. And he finally responded to that for the very first time by saying, yes, I will bow my knee to Jesus. For the first time, he gave his life to Christ. And the next thing that he needed to do was check himself into rehab, which he did. And several weeks later, he came to me. And I'm here to tell you this morning that transformation has begun. So beautiful to see a life changed in which his family is now the beneficiaries of God's work. I think of a single mom who's been attending one of our storehouse circles of hope groups. And if you're new here today, Storehouse is a ministry that's on the north end of the building that cares for people in our community that are in financial need sometimes and, and oftentimes are in great need for better relationships, and the storehouse ministry seeks to provide those kinds of relationships and oftentimes provide financial help to, to folks as well. 
And so there's these circles of hope groups that are developed at the storehouse in which women come together and they have a freedom to talk about, well, what's going on in their lives and there's a safety in the community. There's one particular woman who came to one of these groups and she would never darken the doors of a church. It just didn't feel safe to her. But she felt safe going to this circles group week after week and over time realizing that she was safe in this group, she came to learn that An activity was coming up at the church called Vacation Bible School, and she decided to enroll her son in Vacation Bible School here one month ago for the very first time. Transformation has begun in that family. I think of the 12 men and women and youth and college students who were baptized uh, this summer in all of our services, in the bilingual service and over in the venue and right here in which story after story you heard the same thread that I had these old clothes and Jesus put on some new clothes. And in each of these lives, they took this step out in bold faith to declare before their church and their watching community that Jesus has changed me. Transformation has begun. One other story. I think of a young man who started attending E-Free just over a year ago, and I got to know him around that time. And he and I sat down for lunch on a couple occasions and got to hear some of his story, and he liked the messages here fine and well. But as I got to know his story, I came to realize that this was a man who had gone through more brokenness than almost anyone I had ever met in the 15 years that I've been doing ministry. More of heartbreak in his family than most of us can imagine. More pain, more disappointment, more rejection and neglect from people in his family. And of course, he's experienced the consequences of all of that. And it's affected some things in his life, as we would all expect. But he continued to come to church week in and week out. And then in the midst of that, really the difference maker in many ways was he got to know a gentleman in our church by the name of Ron Childs. And some of you know Ron. He passed away about six months ago, and he was truly a gentleman. And this man got to know Ron just as he was doing work for Ron at his house. And as they got to know each other, he was cared for by this older gentleman who loved him as he was, even with a large cart of Samsonite baggage behind him. And as he was loved, he started to experience change. Last week after our service in which we preached about this truth that an awesome God invites our authentic worship. This young man sent me a text in which he wrote, For a long time, Adrian, I have felt that I have wanted to lift my hands in praise to God. Many Sundays I've wanted to and have not for fear of what I look like or what others would think. Today, you gave me the courage to do that. And he worshiped God in a way that he never had before. Transformation is occurring here. Transformation has begun. And there's nothing more stunning, nothing more beautiful than seeing lives transformed. This is what we want to be about here at Carney E. Free, is building a transformational community. It's simply beautiful when it happens. And my hope, my prayer is for everyone in this room, wherever you might have come from, that you would know you can be safe here with whatever questions you might have, 
to take one more step spiritually in the direction of Christ. So you might be a skeptic here today. You don't know any religious answers, any spiritual answers. In fact, you don't even like Christians. That's okay. That's okay. We're so glad that you're here. And maybe over the course of time, God would change from a skeptic to a seeker. And maybe others who are spiritual seekers here today who are just asking questions, they kind of have an open mind. They're not sure what the answers might be. And maybe over the course of time, God would bring about transformation from seeker to believer. And for others who are believers, but if they would be honest, they'd have to admit, I haven't given my whole life to God. I haven't given all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. Perhaps God would bring about the kind of change that moves us from believers to disciples, to followers of the God who is love and who invites us to bring our all. This is what we're about here. Here's our, our mission statement. You see it up on the screen here. I wonder if you'd read this out loud with me. Would you please join me? We are building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ. Hey, good job. Y'all did way better in the first service. You can tell them that too. They were pretty lame in their reading first service. Y'all did a great job. This is what we're about. We're about building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. And it's so fun to be a part of community where we're seeing change happen where we're all in this process of transformation. Yes, there's a one-time basis of change in which we give our lives to Christ, and as we give our lives to Christ, he changes us from the inside out. Once we were dead, now we're alive. Once we were lost, now we're found. But then there's also this ongoing transformation that we all have to go through, in which bit by bit we realize, I still have some of those old clothes on. And you know what? Those old clothes, they are stanky. I got to take them off and put on the new clothes of righteousness and holiness and love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control to God be the glory. He can do that in us. And it happens once, but then it continues in this ongoing way that in our marriages, in our relationships, in our life groups, with our kids, in this church community, we're all in the process Never have we arrived. We are all in the process of transformation. And that includes all of us. Everyone on this stage and everyone in this room. We never completely arrive. It's critical for us to understand a couple ideas from this mission statement. The first one is this. Transformation happens through Christ. Transformation happens not by pulling ourselves up by our moral bootstraps, That might change behavior, but that doesn't change the inside of the heart. It happens as Christ gets a hold of us, and he changes us from the inside out. And second, transformation happens with others. So while God might bring someone to her knees all by himself, the typical way that he continues to transform us is not in isolation, just with God alone, but through his spiritual family, which is us. He uses the body of Christ all around us to change us to become more and more like Christ himself. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. To use another scriptural analogy, Jesus is the head. Jesus is the brains. We are all the different members, the different parts of his body. And we have a biological family, which sometimes is helpful for us spiritually, other times not so much. 
But we all do have a spiritual family, which should always be helpful for us as we seek to grow into the character of Christ. And the truth is, I'm just a finger. And without the hand, without you, without the shoulder, without the chest, without the whole piece, the neck bone connected to the backbone, without all of us working it together, we don't become what God intends for us. He is the head. He is the brains. We are all the members of the body, and he intends transformation together. Transformation happens with others. Our high school and our middle school ministries embarked on a couple mission trips this summer in which they grew together as they served urban populations and urban ministries in Omaha and in Chicago. And the stories that came back from dozens of high schoolers and middle schoolers from these trips were just phenomenal. As I was talking with Jordan Heinrichsen, our director of middle school and high school ministry this last week, I said to him, man, we've got to share these stories. And so I want you to take a look at some of what our middle schoolers and high schoolers did this summer and the difference, though, that it's made for them. Circle Urban Ministries and they had a six-week day camp for like preschoolers to seventh grade and so we just got assigned to classrooms and got to play and hang out with the kids. Yeah and um, I got to help out with the middle schoolers and um, play with them and just talk with them. Emily and I both got to work with the elementary kids. And um, the guys we went around and uh, started moving around furniture to make sure that they could clean out the school area. And um, we also mowed a field so kids could go out and play football. My favorite moments were just getting to hear their stories and ask about their family lives. And some of the kids would just open directly up about it, and some kids would be a little more sensitive to talk about their family. For me, it really opened my eyes to see just how much joy they had, despite the fact that they really didn't have very much. They didn't always get three meals a day or didn't have a lot of clothes, but they were just still so joyful in everything they did. Or on Sunday when we walked into church, like everybody's hugging you and welcoming you and asking you how you are, where you're from, and yeah, it just helped me to learn like, yeah, you need to step out there and make sure you meet everybody and make sure they all feel very welcome. That's like a big thing we all learned is how we can connect with people that we don't even know, and that's been a big deal to me. Um, being able to, you know, like I, as we were there, I felt like 
I can do this too. You know, I can talk to strangers. I can welcome them into our church and into our school and things like that. And um, it was just beautiful to be welcomed like that also. I love those stories. I was talking with Jordan about it last week, and he said one of the jobs they did when they went to Chicago, Circle Urban Mission and the Rock of Our Salvation Church, which is a ministry and a church that we've had a relationship with for decades, and it's just grown now to incorporate youth group trips as well, but uh, one of the jobs that they had was to go to an abandoned lot and clean all of the weeds out of that lot and go around to the perimeter and get all the trash out and all the nonsense out from the outside of that lot, which sounds like just absolute drudgery to me. I don't know about you. And I was talking with Jordan about that, how they spent several hours doing this together for the purpose of loving Circle Urban Mission and the purpose of loving the, these kids the, that, that go to school there and that use the, this lot. And Jordan said, it's, it's funny, it still wasn't my favorite thing to do, but somehow as we serve together, loving people together, in this very simple way, it became fun. Isn't that amazing? Something that's absolute drudgery for us, when we do it together for a cause bigger than ourselves, it becomes fun. And some people don't believe that miracles happen. There's definitive proof. If God can turn pulling weeds into fun, that's definitive proof that miracles do indeed happen. There's just nothing more powerful for buying us together than a common purpose. And there is no purpose that's more beautiful than this. Loving Christ and loving people. It's interesting, um, as I get to know people who call themselves Christians, you start to notice certain things about the way they live their lives as Christians, right? And... Jesus gives this great commandment about loving God and loving other people. But it's strange to me, and I've seen it a lot, there are many people I've met who have a great love and a great devotion for God, but over time it doesn't seem like their love for people increases much. Have you met those folks? And I've met another group of folks who it seems like over time their love for people increases but their love for God kind of stalls out. And these people, over the course of time, they get disconnected from the vine that is called Jesus, the life-giving sap of Jesus, the nourishment of the vine. And as Jesus says, apart from me, you can do no good thing. And so over the course of time, these people, because they're no longer connected with Jesus, no longer seeking to grow in love with God, they become what we call humanists. And we see this a lot. The people don't stay connected to the scriptures, don't stay connected to God, don't stay connected to prayer, and they all of a sudden stop really loving God. And then these folks over time, because they're only focused on how much Bible knowledge that they would acquire, and maybe they can even quote a lot of Bible verses to you, and they listen to praise music all the time, but strangely they don't seem to love people too well, and they unfortunately over time become something called Pharisees. Have you met them? 
And the tragic reality is these people who seek to love God a lot but don't really care too much for people, over time, they burn others out. And these people who only love other people over time but really don't stay connected to the transforming force of Christ, the love of God, don't stay in the Holy Spirit, don't stay in Christian community where they are worshiping God consistently but just seek to always do good deeds, they just burn out. This is the warning for us. Such that Jesus enters in the equation and he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And you'll remember that he's asked this on many different occasions, but on no occasion did he answer with only one commandment. Even though he was asked on many occasions, what is the greatest commandment with the definite article, he never answered with one commandment. He always said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't even distinguish between the two. He says these two have to go together such that what naturally should happen as we love God with all we got and we love others as ourselves is over time, both of these things will, will happen. Not one or the other. We won't be only on the God's side or only on the people's side. We're always looking to grow and slowly but surely over time, God changes us as we are seeking to love others really well and love God with all that we have. And there might be moments like this where you really love God but you don't care so much for Christian community. I've been there. And there might be other moments like this where you're really into serving but you're not into reading the scriptures. But over time, if you were to plot it on a curve, again, there would be this upward focus because the most natural thing is that we grow in love with God and we grow in love with others. There will be ups and downs for sure, but it's worth asking the question, how, how are we doing with this? Are we growing in love with Christ? Are we staying connected to, to the vine? Are we building our prayer lives, building our Bible study lives? And how are we doing loving people, including people who are different than us? How are we doing with loving neighbors and enemies or family members who it's not that easy to like? I, I gotta tell you, I, I really feel like the Lord has anointed this mission statement for such a time as this. I believe that God has given us this mission statement for right now, for where we are in our culture at large when there's such a feverish pitch and people simply don't feel loved and they don't see the authenticity of Christ honoring love. We modified our mission statement here over the past year and a half to include this, that we are to Love Christ with all we got and love all people, all different kinds of people. And then I think the Lord really anointed the development of our vision statement, which we didn't have before. Anyone remember what our vision statement is? Just three simple words. Let's say it out loud together. Every person matters. That we believe this, the very fiber of our being, that every person matters equally before God. That Jesus came down to die for each and every person. Last week I had the privilege of going to the Global Leadership Summit, at least a local broadcast of that that was broadcast here in Kearney, along with many elders and uh, pastors and ministry directors, a number of us in the church, we all went, and there were so many great, great speakers there, but there was one speaker pop particularly on the second day who was a pastor from Nigeria by the name of Sam Adeyemi, 
And Pastor Sam Ediemi grew this church from the basement of his house with just a few people to 25,000 people. Okay? Become kind of a big shot when that happens, right? And Pastor Samuel was sharing that in his country, when you grow a church like that, people start to see you as something very special. And he said that he was having a conversation, well, with another pastor who was telling him, Pastor Sam, you need to stop uh, treating people, though, the way that you do. You need to stop always hanging out with people, and uh, you need to change the way you're interacting with people. You need to keep better boundaries and keep the people away from you. You're really special now. Yeah, you're a big shot. And he said the way it normally happens in Nigeria is when you grow a church like that, the pastor has handlers that keeps the people away from him. And he goes out the door first after the church service is over, and then everyone else follows him. And as he goes out the door, everyone else kind of looks at him with adoration. And Pastor Sam responded to this other pastor, no, you've misunderstood. They are not here because I am special. I am here because they are special. They are not here because I am special. I am here because those 25,000 people are special. And I exist to serve them, not the other way around. My friends, that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. How about you? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of in which it's not about any individual. It's not about any family. It's not about someone being more special than another person than another person. It's a place where every person matters equally to God who has made us in his image and sent his son to spill his blood for every person that you've ever met. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Now we're not there, of course, but I think we are moving in that direction. I want to commend this church for the way it's moving in that direction. It's so awesome to see. We want to keep moving there. Keep asking ourselves, keep challenging ourselves, who am I loving? that is a little bit different than me? Who am I developing relationships with that I didn't have a relationship with five years ago? Who am I blessing that might be struggling today? How am I going out of my way? Because the desperate, crying need of people today is to know that they matter. Behind so much depression is the question, do I matter? Behind so many Facebook and Instagram posts is the question, do I matter? I would dare say behind much of the violence that we're seeing in America today is the question, do I count? Do I count equally? Do I matter? Lord knows I don't have all of the answers to our contemporary dilemmas. Indeed, I would say be very wary of those who say they have all of the answers to them. But I do know how Christ would have me respond. I am positive that Christ would have me respond like this. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Whenever someone asks you for an answer, how do you answer? Do it with gentleness and respect. Speak and show hope. In other words, we would put it this way. 
how we say it is as important, it's sometimes more important than what we say. How we say it as followers of Christ is every bit as important as what we say. And so I have to ask myself, in the midst of arguments, in the midst of dilemmas, in the midst of so much strife, in the midst of stuff that I'm dealing with in my extended family, in the midst of stuff that I might see in my neighborhood, how do I respond? And if we're following Christ, it's with love, it's seeking to understand another before being understood myself. It's listening. It's listening. It's listening. Here are three good words to add to our repertoire. Tell me more. Would you please tell me more? Husbands, if you're taking notes today, you might want to take note of that. Free marriage advice today too. Tell me more. We seek to understand another before seeking to be understood ourselves. And then through it all, when we're given an opportunity to speak up for the cause of Christ, when we're given an opportunity to answer someone who has genuine questions, we always do it with these two words. Circle in your Bible, please. Gentleness and respect. The world's begging for this. They're, they're begging for what Christ offers. They're begging for what we have in our hearts. The gentleness and the respect that comes from a life that is connected to the vine, connected to the Holy Spirit. As we answer that way, we have a voice. What an anointed mission statement we have. What an anointed vision statement we have. And friends, I know we're not there, but we're moving in that direction. And I got to tell you what a joy it is to move in that direction with you toward the God who is able to open ears and transform hearts in a way that you and I never could. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, as I look at over this room today, I thank you that there is no one here who is an accident to you. Tragic reality today is many people feel like they were an accident to their parents or an accident to their family, an accident to, to their neighborhood, but there is no one here who is an accident to you. You have made each and every one of us in your image and in your likeness, and you desire us to come to know you more and more. And so we invite you to do work in our hearts. We invite you to keep transforming us in the likeness of Christ. We invite you to make a difference in our world that we would be difference makers in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our families. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this mission statement that we are building together a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. Start with us, God. Start with me. Build me. Change me. I have a lot that needs changing. I invite you.
Thank you, Lord, for your promise that you're not done with us. Some of us have come in with lots of luggage today, and we're welcome in this room. We're welcome before the throne room of Christ. Thank you, God, that you're not done with us. Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning. As we head into the fall, we declare that we want to be used by you more and more. And we need you to change us. We want to be connected to the vine who is Christ. We want to be changed for his glory. We'll be really careful, Lord, to give you all the credit. All honor, all glory, all credit is yours. Now and forevermore. And God's people say,